Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romanverse. It's Steve here with Jimmy and Brandon again to, uh, for episode 58. Uh, and this one is going to be titled El Shirari Stunner Sinks Sassuolo because uh, I'm sure by now plenty of you have seen the match or at least watched the highlights of what was a, a bit of a thrilling finish to the, the match yesterday. How are you guys doing after that match yesterday, Brandon? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm, uh, I'm still catching my breath from running around the house. Um screaming after El Ferrari scored so uh still coming down from that high <laughs> yeah what about you Jim yeah I'm really grateful for that win I was pretty nervous not gonna lie but that it, the best way to win a match is like an extra time winner so I'm I'm, I'm happy I mean there was certainly no better way to win it um maybe an unlikely source I guess of a goal we'll get into El Ferrari later but he's kind of been a forgotten man to start the season and toward the end of last year so uh, big goal for him, big goal for Roma to secure the three points. But before we break down the match, let's get into the background a little bit of this match. Uh, Roma entered unbeaten in their first four competitive matches, the two victories over Trudzdanspor in the uh, conference. And Salernitana. Uh, Sassuolo, arguably the best opponent they'd face up to this point based on last year's league table. Uh, probably around the same level as Fiorentina, but of course that match was conditioned a bit by the red card by Dragowski pretty early in the match. So this was Roma's toughest match to date, I'd say so far, uh, considering the 11 v 11 factor. And then of course the big news, it was Jose, uh, Jose Mourinho's 1000th match as a manager. Um, he ended it in epic fashion with his sprint down to the Curva Sud. If you've probably seen by now in the highlights, he was very hyped up. Uh, Mourinho clearly loving life in Rome so far. Uh, he got a victory in his thousandth match as a manager. Um, one of the big things was the starting 11 was virtually unchanged from the matches we saw prior to the international break. We thought with at least, I thought, Matias Vigna would probably be a candidate to be replaced. I know Jimmy and I both put it in the match preview. And the problem is that we thought Calafiori would be the one guy to at least get a start. 
Um, you know, Zaniolo, Mancini, and Pellegrini were all ruled fit enough to, to start, which uh, after leaving Italy camp early. But um, I don't know about you guys. I was a little surprised by the Vigna start. And anything else that surprised you in the starting 11? Um, Jimmy? Part of me was surprised that uh, Zaniolo got the start just because my thoughts on the philosophy that we should be having with him right now is that he should be given kind of kid gloves as we reinstate him into being a key player. And granted, I think that he did like a decent job for basically still coming back from an injury. Uh, but it was obvious that he couldn't do the full 90. So at the very least, it was good that he got subbed out um, for Carlos Perez um, again, which seems to be a pretty good trend, just like, or was he subbed out for Shemuradov or Carlos Perez? They both came on. They both came on at the same time. I, I guess yeah. it would be Perez for him because Mikatarian also came out around the same time, or was it Vertu? One of them came out at the same time. I think it was Vertu yeah. that came out at the same time yeah. as Zaniolo, but they brought on two forwards, which you know made sense for that moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that's the one where I'm just like, well, I hope that he gets some rest here and there because I really think that he is, you know, obviously a big piece of Roma's future. So you know, mortgaging that for a couple wins right now if he gets injured again, would be bad news. Yeah. What about you, Brent? Any surprises to you in the 11? Um, I wouldn't say uh, there was any surprises for me. I kind of expected, you know, the the relatively the same starting lineup that we had been seeing the last few days. Um, Brent just put up a piece where we kind of did a point counterpoint um, type of debate. And one of the questions actually was, you know, should um, Mourinho have started Vino? And, you know, I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm not sure if he's outwardly said it yet, but based on what we've seen so far, it seems one of Mourinho's like main objectives is probably to like develop the chemistry um, with his first choice 11. And I think, you know, coming out of the international break, only having a handful of matches um, competitively um, under his belt as Roman manager, I think, you know, he still wanted to emphasize that continuity within the first 11. And so, you know, Strictly based off that, I wasn't particularly surprised that Vigna got the start, you know, despite the knock that he picked up and being on short rest and all that. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point about the, the continuity and building that chemistry, because in the press conference prior on Saturday, before I wrote the problems, he did say he wasn't planning on much turnover. But I thought, you know, maybe Vigna, because he came back, I think he got back literally Saturday morning, I think, where you said in his press conference to Rome. So. Uh, we'll get into Vini a little bit later because he was involved in some of the, the big uh, moments of the match. But before this match started, Roma was the second to last match of the weekend with Bologna and Hellas Verona playing today. We're recording on Monday afternoon, about 24 hours after the match. Um, a lot of things kind of went Roma's way around the league. I know it's only match day three, but when you look around the league, um, Juventus fell to Napoli. Juventus is now on one point through three matches. I mean, raise your hand if you expected that to, to be the case. I don't think anybody, especially when you consider that they played Udinese and Empoli before Napoli, you know, going down to the Maradona to, and losing, you know, 2-1 is one thing in match day three, but having only one point, I think is surprising for Juventus. We knew that Juventus maybe wasn't the same Juve of two, three, four years ago when they were on their nine Scudetto run. But I mean, Roma now eight points up on Juve in the table with the victory. Atalanta dropped a result. Uh, you know, they're only on four points right now. Um, also dropping points was Lazio who lost head to head to Milan and, uh, Inter also drew unexpectedly to Sampdoria. So a lot of things going Roma's way early in the season, you know, Roma had to help themselves and get this victory, which is why the three points in the long run might be even more crucial, but 
anything around the league that's, you know, caught your guys' attention so far? Uh, Brandon, I'll go to you first. Um, I, you know, I think the inter draw was surprising. Um, I, you know, Juventus, I kind of expect them to bounce back at some point and right the ship. I don't, you know, I'm not going to go so far as to say, you know, I expect them to, you know, win the rest of their games and win the league, um, um, very easily. Um, but I think, you know, they're, you know, they have quality players still in Allegri's, you know, a capable coach. So I think they'll bounce back. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I think, um, you know, Inter had that lead and they kind of threw it away at the end there. So um, that was kind of the big shocker for me. You know, it's always nice to see the other big teams kind of cannibalize themselves, you know, with Milan and Lazio playing each other. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would point to the Inter result as, you know, the big surprise because, you know, um, when Napoli and UA play each other, Milan and Lazio play each other, it can kind of go e- any either way. Yeah, what about you, Jim? Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see what happens with Bologna because right now they're in sixth place. Um, and granted, it's early in the season. Like, I'm not banking on Roma being in first for very long, and I'm not banking on anyone being anywhere that they are right now for very long. But given that, I thought it was interesting that they won the matches they were supposed to win, you know, like the easy matches against the real small sides. Um, but they also drew Atlanta, who I had as, you know, as a really good club coming into this season. So if they're able to do something along the lines of drawing clubs of Atlanta's quality and beating all the smaller sides, I could see them, you know, being definitely in the top half of the table and potentially, you know, closer to like European conference league than I think many people would have expected. And they've looked interesting in their matches so far too. Um, So we'll see how that goes in the longer term. Yeah, a good point. They just uh, finished off a one nothing victory over Hellas, uh, who is Roma's next league opponent. And we'll get into that at toward the end of the show. But uh, speaking of Hellas, old friend Eusebio Di Francesco in charge over there, no points through three matches. Them and Salernitana are down at the bottom with no points. Only Salernitana's minus nine goal differential puts them at the very bottom. So that's something to keep an eye on, too, because Hellas has been so good. They were so good over under Juric the past couple of seasons. They were in the mix for, you know, Europa League and Conference League kind of standings for quite a while in that same kind of area Sassuolo for a couple of years now they're struggling so yeah I mean um, Juve not surprised they lost to Napoli but I am a bit surprised they're only on one point I mean that Empoli match I watched some of that one and they don't look very good I don't think this Juve team is as well constructed as teams of the past so something to keep an eye on for everybody around the league because I think everybody who's not a Juve fan ends up rooting against Juve at some point because we're just tired of their their winning and then I'm pretty sure they do play Milan next week so uh, Milan Juve head to head at the Allianz Arena will be a big one next week. A chance for Milan to really uh, pile it on Juve and maybe put them in a difficult position. So, you know, with that happening before the Roma match, everything but the Bologna result, Roma knew they could take advantage of Lazio losing and the other drop points I mentioned. So, uh, let's get into the key moments of this Roma match, uh, starting with. It was almost uh, Sassuolo in the lead to begin because it was Domenico Berardi with a goal early uh, in the 27th minute, uh, but it was called off because uh, Giacomo Raspadori was marginally offside. Roma dodged a bullet there. Uh, Berardi was a danger man throughout for Roma, and this one, will his name will come up a couple of the times, but then just 10 minutes later, it was Roma who broke the deadlock. First half, not a whole ton of action, I'd say. You know, both teams kind of feeling their way through the, the first half, but it was a, a cheeky play, as they say in, in England overseas, you know, 
uh, because it was definitely off the training ground. Roma had a set piece, maybe about 35, 40 meters out on the left flank and Pellegrini set it up and he, you know, did a little hand motion. Like he was looking to loop the ball over the top. And it was Brian Cristante who made a, a smart run. Pellegrini waited the pass perfectly to him on the ground and he caught Raspadori and a couple other uh, Sassuolo players sleeping and he put the ball in the back of the net. So Jim, what did you think of that goal from Cristante yesterday? Yeah, I thought, I mean, Cristante, you know, being able to get to the right spot was impressive for sure. But I do think that this is just another kind of tick in the box showing that Pellegrini is just finding a totally new gear so far this season in a way that I don't think even I really expected. Um, I don't have his individual stats in front of me so far, uh, but I can just tell you even from the eye test that he has looked like a pure class player, like one of the best midfielders in Serie A this, so far this season, no question. Um, if he keeps playing like this, I think that Rome, like I think I said in our preview, um, like our staff preview for Serie A, that if Pellegrini is able to find a new level, that Roma are able to, you know, be comfortably in the Champions League spots. And I stand by that. I think that if, he, if we're seeing this type of work from him week in, week out, and consistency on that, um, that Roma can be doing a lot of great work. And everyone knows that I love Cristante, so that's not that's not news. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, we'll get into Pellegrini a lot more than talking about because I thought he had a very strong match as well. So, Brandon, what'd you make of the goal? Uh, I think first off, you have to give credit to Cristante for, you know, timing his run perfectly, um, you know, beating that high line that Sassuolo were um, trying to do. And, you know, as for Pellegrini, I, you know, off the top of my head, I, you know, can think of several instances where he's, you know, blasted a free kick right into the wall. And I've been like, oh man, come on, let's, uh, let's get somebody else on these. So, you know, credit to him for, you know, improving his game, um, going off what Jim was saying about reaching that other gear. I think, you know, um, he's been playing lights out and, you know, that free kick was more evidence of that. Um, so, you know, all in all a great team goal. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely a great team goal. Something off the they they've had to practice a number of times on the training pitch. So shows that they're working on different ways to, to you know get people involved in set pieces. Cristante, a uh, couple goals now early in the season between the conference league and Serie A. So kind of finding his goal scoring form from his Atalanta days a little bit, which is something we thought we'd see a couple of years ago. Um, and like I said before, Pellegrini, the, the weight on the pass was just like pinpoint. I mean, he he couldn't have put in a better place for Cristante. So the match went into halftime, one nothing in favor of Roma. Um, not too many other big chances in the first half, but the second half, we really saw the action pick up. And one big change that Sassuolo made was taking off Raspadori, who scored for Italy just a couple days ago, and bringing on Gianluca Scamacca, the ex-Roma uh, youth team player, the native Roman. And he was heavily involved in the second half of the match. And in fact, in the 57th minute, his impact was felt when he switched the ball out wide right, uh, Sassuolo's right flank, Roma's left to Domenico Berardi. And Berardi, I, I think Matias Vigna is still looking for the ball in that play because Berardi turned him around like a top and then put in a cross. Uh, it went in off of Juricic. Juricic didn't really hit the ball or anything, kind of went off his knee, but it was just such a good play on um, Berardi's part that, you know, it, any of us could have put the ball in just by running like Juricic did. It just hit him and went in and, you know, the Roma defense kind of got caught off guard, I guess, with the way Berardi kind of just I think took Vinia to the cleaners and there was no stop in the goal. So, uh, Brian, I'll go to you first in this one. What'd you make of that goal? Uh, yeah. Initial reactions were just, oh man, Vinia, come on. You gotta, you gotta do a little better on this one. Um, 
which was unfortunate given that I think, you know, last podcast episode, we kind of touched on how solid he's been both defensively and going forward. So, you know, to see him getting turned out like that was kind of disappointing to see. Um, is that, you know, partially due to, you know, playing on short rest and having that knock, who's to say, um, I guess that remains to be seen, but, you know, I, it was, it was uh, a little concerning seeing how easily he got beat on that play. Um, you know, in terms of the, you know, the shot, yeah, lucky bounce, you could say um, Patricio really couldn't do anything with it. So I can't really fault him there. Um, so, yeah, that's my, gen- that was my general impression. Yeah. What about you, Jim? Yeah, I would definitely agree. I would say that it just seemed like a bit of a lucky bounce, but I mean, we'll talk about this later, but Sassuolo looked plenty dangerous throughout this match. So if they hadn't scored there, I'm pretty confident they would have scored somewhere else. Um, This wasn't a match where there were a lot of defensive lapses by the Roma defenders. Like I I wouldn't say that Mancini or Rodri Banyas had a poor game in particular. Um, But at the same time, it was obvious that there was enough offensive firepower going on that something was going to happen. So it happening at 57 at the 57th minute is probably better than it happening later. Yeah. Uh, but the big thing for me, because, you know, Sassuolo is a, an offensive team. They, they do know how to score their goals. I mean, the trio of Berardi, Raspadori and uh, Scamacca actually finished the match for Italy on Wednesday. So they have plenty of offensive firepower at, at a high level. Uh, it was the way Roma responded for me because just two minutes later, Roma went down the pitch uh, talking about Pellegrini. He had a shot on goal. Big save from Consigli and the ball ricocheted quickly to Abraham, who, who reacted quick enough to get the the shot off, but it, it rattled the post second time in as many, I think, Serie A matches for him now. Uh, he's kind of had a, a magnet to the goalpost a little bit at the Olimpico, but a good response from Roma, wouldn't you say, Jim? Yeah, I would definitely agree. Um, I mean, I said this before, but I think that Abraham's love affair with the post at the Olimpico so far is going to end soon. I mean, he's not... He's making good shots consistently, which if you ask me, I'm honestly happier to see than like him getting like racking up goals at home that are like fluke goals. Like he's obviously getting the ball on practically on target time and time again. And he's showing himself as like a key member of the forward group. So I, as much as it was like exasperating to see like two great chances, basically good turn into nothing. Um, I can't complain too much. And I'm pretty confident that within the next couple of weeks, he'll probably score at the Olympico. Yeah. I mean, it's it, sooner or later, lady luck's got to turn your way. Right. I mean, when you're hitting the post that often, Brandon, anything you want to throw in there about that chance? Uh, yeah, I agree with both of you. I think, you know, it was, uh, it was great to see the, um, the attitude shift after the, um, they gave up the equalizer, um, you know, going back to the goal really quickly. It was, you know, as Jim was saying, Sassuolo were, you know, dominating that opening, you know, 15, 20 minutes um and it seemed immediately after the goal well obviously because of those chances but um just like it was the wake-up switch that they needed um and so you know disappointing that you know both great chances couldn't go in but um really refreshing to see the change in attitude because you know I think the last few years a moment like that um Roma would have responded poorly you know got down on themselves things like that. And, you know, Sassuolo would have continued to just uh, pepper Patricio for the rest of the match. Um, so, you know, credit to credit to Mourinho and the squad for, you know, um, working on um, changing that mentality. 
Yeah, for sure. So I'll just run through a couple of these next couple chances because we'll talk about Patricio in, in a little bit. But in the 69th minute, Patricio, big save on Berardi. Uh, Berardi was on the right side of the box, low shot across the face of goal, and Patricio got his right foot on it, make a big save in the 69th minute. Then Roma came back down. We talked about it was back and forth in the second half. Uh, Pellegrini had another good look on goal, goal but it was um, Kiri Kesh, the center back from Sassuolo with the block. That was the one decision Pellegrini might have made a better decision to lay one off to, to Abraham there, um, but a big chance either way, and it was blocked by Kiri Kesh. Then just four minutes later in the 78th, Patricio with a huge shave on Jeremy Boga came out, timed his charge perfectly at Boga, and made a big save on Boga. We'll get into Boga a little bit too because he was a thorn in Roma's side all, all second half especially. And then in the 87th minute, uh, our hearts were in our throats because uh, Traore, who had just come off the bench, he literally, we talk about Abraham in the post. I mean, this guy, he smashed the post from about 20 yards out, low, hard shot, had Patricio beat. And uh, luckily for Roma, it smashed off the woodwork and the game remained 1-1 into the 90th minute. And then in the 91st minute, it was El Sharari with a beautiful goal. I mean, it was a ball that uh, Shamordov laid off to him. I forget who made the initial pass to Eldor, but he laid it off. It was kind of on the bounce, and he just smashed it. You know, that typical El Shawari curler uh, from the left side to the right side of the, the goal, and uh, it's, it slammed the inside of the post and went in, and in the 91st minute, Roma took the lead. So, I mean, some goal, huh, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, As a naturally pessimistic Roma fan, and obviously all the signs are pointing toward a 1-1 draw, um, when I saw – uh, Shmordov lay it off to El Sharari. I was like, what are you, what, what are you doing? What are you trying to set up? Uh, just, you know, expecting it to go nowhere. Um, and then, um, you know, El Sharari, as he often does, creates a moment of magic out of nothing and, uh, you know, sends the whole place into an uproar, um, which, you know, was awesome for him. Um, I think it'll give him a ton of confidence going forward as evidenced by, you know, the level of emotion he displayed in his celebration. Um, and it was really cool to see the whole team really, you know, going nuts with him. Um, Mourinho jumping in there, obviously, um, in true Mourinho fashion. But, um, you know, I think one of the bigger takeaways is probably, you know, what, like how much it meant to El Shirari and, you know, uh, an informed El Shirari and a motivated one is, you know, could be a game changer for Roma going forward. So I think, you know, this was great for him, great for the team, you know. Yeah, for sure, Jim. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to just circle back to Shamurdov's little assist there. I mean, like, it wasn't that impressive of a pass, but at the same time, the selflessness that was required to make that pass, I think, should be celebrated. And I think there, it was kind of an open question when Shamurdov came in and then Ibrahim was signed a couple of weeks later, how well he would deal with being both a new signing with high expectations because of his transfer fee, but also clearly not being, like, the main forward signing of the summer. And by all indications, he's done an excellent job of, you know, kind of finding his role and recognizing that whether he's going to score or find the right pass or make an assist, he's going to get involved. And that's been really exciting to see. Um, so even though he didn't add to his goal tally um, yesterday, I was really excited by his performance once again coming off the bench. Yeah, good point on Shamordov, something I'd even consider that he did have that awareness to be selfless. His back was somewhat to goal and he just decided to lay it off. And like you said, it wasn't the greatest layoff, but it was good enough that El Shari was able to, to wrap his foot around it and hammer it in. So another impressive, you know, little play, little piece of play from Shamordov to, to help Roma to a goal and to a victory. 
Um, but then, you know, it looked like, you know, I was changing the title of this, you know, podcast in my head from, you know, the 90th minute to the 91st. And then just two minutes later, I thought I was going to have to rewrite the script again because uh, Skamaka, who had himself a pretty good half of football in the second half, was involved in a lot of the Sassuolo attacks, actually smashed home his own goal, looked like the match was tied. Luckily for Roma, it was ruled off and VAR confirmed Skamaka was just barely offside. So Roma got away with a couple of chances from Sassuolo where, um, you know, tight offside calls. Roma was the beneficiary of correct offside calls and they won 2-1. So just a couple of numbers from the match. Roma's XG was 2.03. So they were just about on that with their two goals. Sassuolo had a 1.93 XG, which speaks to the, the performance of Patricio, which we'll get into in just a little bit because, you know, they underperformed their XG by almost a full goal. So, you know, on paper, this probably should have been a, a tie game 2-2 based on the chances created by each team, according to those advanced statistics. Uh, shots on goal were pretty even. Roma, 15 shots, 6 on goal. Sassuolo, 13 shots, 7 on goal. Possession was 49-51 for Roma. They were just under 50%, so pretty even. Um, so a lot of things to consider that, you know, Roma, in, in some ways, I don't want to say stole two points in this match, but this is one of those matches that we could have easily seen Roma drop in the past or come away with one point. And it has a very different feeling heading into the conference league on Thursday and, and to hell us next weekend. So, um, you know, I tweeted after the match that, you know, good teams find ways to win tough matches. Uh, we don't know how good this team will be or could be yet, but early in the season, this was a tough match and Roma found a way, which is encouraging for me at least. Um, before we get into individuals, anything you guys want to throw in at, that you noticed from like the match overall for Roma, Jim? Yeah, I would just add that I think that not to get too excited about the Jose Mourinho experience too quickly into the first season, because I know that all the people from the Premier League will tell you that everything falls off the rails after a year and a half. But it does really feel like the difference between this Roma and prior Romas is that when you had stats like this against when we were with Paolo Fonseca or Rudy Garcia or Di Francesco or pretty much anyone who has managed Roma since I started following Roma, if the expected goals were this tight, I would expect a draw or a loss. Like I would expect Roma to basically happen and it to be a draw, a last second draw or for the expected goals to go the other way where Roma gets quote unquote screwed by having like a higher expected goals, but it's just not translating. Um, we haven't really seen much of like the ugly three points football that like people were, people would always say that you get with Jose, Jose Mourinho. Um, this idea that like, it's not always going to be pretty, but like you'll get wins where you might not expect to. This was the first time, even though it was like a fun goal and like honestly an enjoyable match to watch where I was like, oh, okay. So this is like what we'll be getting in tight matches, which is really nice and just such a breath of fresh air compared to basically my entire time supporting Roma in the past. So like I'm, I think that some credit should go to Mourinho here for his substitutions and for the tactical response that the club had to going back to a 1-1 draw. Yeah, and one thing I'll throw in about Mourinho, because you brought up Mourinho, maybe something maybe we wouldn't have expected from him was that Roma, by the end of the match, was almost playing a 4-2-4 because he threw in a lot of forwards. Pellegrini dropped to partner Cristante. Um, not something, you know, based on his reputation you would expect, but he went for this match. You know, he didn't say, you know what, we're 1-1. We'll take our chances with our usual formation. 
he threw Shamordoff on with Tammy Abraham, with Perez, and with uh, who was the fourth forward at the time. There was another winger, El Sharari, out there. So certainly a different look. And even Pellegrini's not your typical two-man midfield player, you know. So they were going very attacking. That was something that jumped out to me too. Now that you brought up Mourinho's name, what about you, Brandon? Anything that jumped out to you? Um, I'd, I'd have to echo what Jim was saying about you know, kind of the Mourinho effect on the team. I think you know the the five game run we're on currently um, gives me the same uh, level of excitement that I had you know, however many odd years ago when Rudy Garcia's first season when Roma won their first nine or ten matches, um, and you know I think you know, to draw some parallels between that run and this run, you know, uh, one game that comes to mind is the game, you know, Michael Bradley's shining moment as a Roma player, um, winning it at the death. Um, and I think, you know, um, I, you know, we all, we, we all know that Roma that year didn't, you know, end up winning the Scudetto and it's way too early to talk about that. Um, you know, the goal is top four, but I think, you know, getting these string of results is very important for confidence. And um, which is why, you know, when the schedule came out, this was a believable, you know, string of results to attain. Um, we don't really have, we don't, we don't have a big uh, matchup yet until the Lazio game. So I think, um, you know, this late winner will do wonders for the team's confidence and, you know, team chemistry and all that. So um, that's, you know, probably the big takeaway for me. Yeah, agreed. You're right. The confidence can be built up in, in matches like this and with Hellas and Udinese following this to the weaker, you know, side so far. Certainly, you know, the it's there for Roma to really go into that Lazio match. And if they, you know, watch what Lazio did against Milan, they they couldn't be beaten in certain ways if Roma follows that kind of game plan. So that's something that we'll see. I'm sure Mourinho will be studying when they get to that point. But, you know, exciting start. Um, we'll take a quick commercial break and then we're going to get into some of the main talking points. All right. So we're back from our commercial break. Uh, you know, we talked about the key moments so far. We talked about our excitement around the team so far. Let's talk about some of like the key talking points of the, the match. You know, we talked about the first half was pretty flat for both teams, maybe feeling each other out. Uh, a lot of guys away for international duty from both sides. So how much of a, f- a factor do you think that was Brandon for Roma with so many guys away from the team for almost two weeks? Um, I, I don't, I don't think overall it was a huge factor, at least in the start of the game. Um, I think, uh, noticeably Vinia seemed pretty exhausted. I think, uh, if I remember correctly around the six minute, there was a shot of him running and he just looked gassed already. Um, and you know, I would, you know, definitely attribute that to the, the short rest, um, from the international break. Aside from that though, I think I, I actually really liked, um, Roma's intensity and their press early on in you know the opening 15 minutes or so I you know Tammy I thought was running around everywhere um which was awesome to see um and you know probably after the first 15 20 minutes that faded and Sassuolo began to grow in the game and that's you know kind of where the game began to fall flat for Roma up until um Pellegrino or Cristante's goal sorry so you know I think are they as sharp as they could have been if, you know, if there were a few more days out of the international break? Sure. But overall, I don't think it had, you know, too much of a detriment on them. Yeah. What about you, Jim? Yeah, I definitely agree that obviously, you know, we got the three points. It wasn't the worst experience coming out of a international break that we could have seen. 
And also adding in that we expected a lot of these players to just not be playing because of, you know, injuries they picked up. Like I didn't really expect Mancini to be playing. I didn't expect Zaniolo to play for as long as he did. Um, even Pellegrini seemed somewhat in doubt uh, at one point during the international break for this first match back. So the fact that like we, ha it's true that there was definitely, it was definitely relatively flat for the first half, but I expected a lot worse. Um, I, I figured that if there was going to be a match where things started to come down to earth, it would be this one uh, at the beginning of the season, just because Sassuolo is generally a harder opponent and it's right after the international break. And so many of our players were off doing that. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm okay with having 45 rather, you know, boring minutes uh, at the beginning of coming back from this international break. Yeah, agreed. And Sassuolo, you're right, is always a tricky opponent, especially coming off a break where you really only had the whole team together for maybe three, four days prior. Um, like we said, Vini didn't come back till the, the Saturday before, the day before. Um, and, you know, seeing all those guys in the starting 11, you're right, Jim. I mean, there were so many question marks that it was just a relief to see when Mourinho held his press conference. I said all those guys were available. You know, maybe we'll see about Vina. He didn't really say much about Vina in the press conference. But after we had an injury scare for four of our starters, that was certainly a relief to have them all back. And then to see that they're fit enough to start was a was certainly a good thing. You know, we talked a little bit about it um, earlier, but Roma responding to the Sassuolo goal to me was maybe the biggest point of the whole match because we keep talking about this Mourinho mentality change. And I think we're starting to see it because I, I, I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking back to last year's team. And if they gave up a goal like that, I can't imagine them responding within the first two minutes of it happening. You know, it was such a good chance like Pellegrini created, you know, they never backed down when Sassuolo was coming at him. So um, to me, that was the most impressive thing about the whole match. I think from a mentality standpoint, what about you, Jim? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I already touched on this a little bit earlier, uh, talking about, you know, this difference in how Romo responded to having a relatively even match up for the taking. I would also just add that I think that it's interesting that we're seeing so little rotation, like, and but that mentality, I think the mentality is almost building up in part because it's the same group of 11 guys who are playing consistently with, you know, Shamurodov usually coming in, Carlos Perez usually coming in, and like maybe one other sub. But like it's that group of like 13 guys who are generally on the pitch so far. And they've been communicating really well. Mm. Um, and that's definitely really nice to see. I do hope that as we get deeper into the season, Mourinho doesn't pull a Luciano Spalletti and just drive his starting 11 into the ground. Uh, because that, I mean, like, I'm excited to see the starting 11 perform well, but I don't want them to perform well to the point of only being the, the only players who play and then getting injuries. Um, so yeah. we'll see what happens with that. Good point there. What about you, Brandon? I'd have to agree with um, what both of you were saying. I think, you know, to kind of put a cap on it, I think it really highlights the importance of, having an ownership group, a sporting director and a manager all on the same page when you're trying to implement um, a culture and a mentality shift. And, you know, if you, you know, we've touched on it a few times, but Patricio was massive in this game. You know, we certainly would have lost if not for his performance. Um, Shemurdov um, laying it off to El Shirari for the winner. Abraham, you know, providing that energy um, 
you know, there's, there's one instance that comes to mind late in the second half where, you know, he basically tracked back um, the entire with the entire length of the pitch um, to make a tackle. And, you know, all three of those were, are, you know, more or less Mourinho guys, so to speak. So I think as you're, um, you know, we're, we're seeing the results of the unison between, um, you know, the Friedkins, Pinto and um, Mourinho. Yeah. And you brought up Abraham. That one play when he tracked back late in the match was impressive. I mean, the guy was running around for 85 plus minutes at that point, just tracked back because I was texting one of my buddies back and forth. And he's like saying something about how Roma kept just giving, you know, the ball back, giving it up. And then there's Abraham. He's like, I've had enough of this, them tracking, you know, going back on the counterattack. And he just broke up a counterattack all by himself. And, and even Abraham, he's been so impressive because my buddy who I referenced, he's a Lazio fan. And he texted me about 70 minutes into the match yesterday. He was watching and he goes, I don't do it. I don't care if Abraham's scoring or not. He's, he's a good signing either way, even when he's not scoring goals, because he does so much. And, and we've talked about that in the podcast too, but one of the other guys you brought up, Brandon was Patricio and Rui Patricio had a, a huge match yesterday. Um, I know I was, you know, I was so, so about the signing when it was made. I know none of us were like over the moon about it. Bren was a uh, particularly uh, he's like our goalie guy. He was particularly not thrilled about it. And it's funny because there was a, somebody tweeted at me yesterday in response to uh, a tweet about Patricio. And he goes uh, like, you know, all the haters of Patricio, like, you know, see what he can do. And one of our listeners, Tony Cardinelli tweeted at me uh, at Estrevilla. Like, I think we know who he's uh, talking about um, in reference to Bren, but you know, I'm sure Bren, he's not on to talk about it right now, but I'm sure he'd be more than happy to eat crow on Patricio. If he keeps playing like this, the rest of the season, because he was impressive yesterday. He made six saves yesterday. I'm looking at this on AS Roma Data's uh, Twitter account. Three of them on, on big occasions. We referenced the Berardi save, the Boga save. Um, and the expected shots for goals on target from Sassuolo was 1.45. Uh, how they calculated, I'm not exactly sure. But it just shows that, you know, those shots should have gone in. And Patricio was a big reason why they didn't. I mean, I can't praise Patricio enough for the performance he put in. I mean... Jim, what, what, what do you have to say about Patricio? Yeah, I mean, Bren doesn't only have to come on to respond to his poor takes on the Patricio signing. He also <laughs> has to talk about Shemuradov, who has been fantastic, and he was not high on the Shemuradov signing. Um, but more specifically about Rui, uh, I got to say that, yeah, this is kind of what I've been talking about for the past couple of weeks in general. There's just a level of calm that the entire defense seems to have knowing that, that uh, Patricio is there uh, that we have not seen since Alisson essentially. Um, and that's really nice to have again. And I'm not saying that Patricio is as good as Alisson because Alisson is like one of the two best goalkeepers in the world. And in my opinion, he's not number two. Um, so I would just say that, yeah, it's really nice to have someone who once again kind of fits with this mentality that Mourinho seems to be building of assuredness despite, you know, like things not always looking perfect, that's key for any club. I, I mean, like the reason why it's so hard for young goalkeepers to make a splash, why there aren't like millions of Donnarumma's playing for top flight clubs, like there are, you know, teenage forwards is because of how much pressure is on that player, that goalkeeper. And the fact that Patricio has been responding to the pressure, especially in this match, by just, you know, gobbling up shot after shot. It's been really impressive. And, you know, he's going to have bad form every now and then probably because, you know, that's just the life of a goalkeeper. But still, 
the good form that he's shown so far makes me think that anytime that we have bad form from him, that it'll be like a short-term problem. Yeah, I agreed. Brandon? Yeah, I'd have to agree too. I think, um, you know, it's just been very, very refreshing to, to see a commanding presence um, in the net, especially juxtaposed against, you know, Paul Lopez and Robin Olsen, particularly Olsen, who I feel, if memory serves, he just constantly looked terrified. Um, and so it did not inspire confidence at all. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I was, I was watching the game with my girlfriend and she's not really a huge soccer person, but she, she commented on, you know, Patricio's like presence in the net. And uh, that, you know, then I had to expl- I had to talk to her about, you know, how it's such a departure from what we had with Olsen and Lopez. So um, I think it gives the whole team confidence, especially if Banya is a Mancini, um, you know, being young defenders in their own right. So um you know, credit to Pinto and Mourinho for bringing them in. Yeah, it's a good point. And funny story, Saturday, I was walking around in a Roma jersey and this guy stops me. He goes, oh, you're a Roma fan. And he was he was English and he happened to be a Wolves fan. And he asked me how Patrice was doing because he, he said he loved him when he was at Wolves. So, you know, I, I think if he if Wolves fans love him that much, he must have been pretty solid for them, you know, for a team that was pretty decent in the Premier League the past few seasons. So we, we certainly have found something. So I give credit to Pinto, like you said, for finding him. Uh, when nobody was really talking about him as an option. Everybody's talking about Cranio, Musso, these bigger names in Serie A, these younger, more attractive names, but he's getting the job done. And I think the, the veteran presence in goal, a solid veteran presence, you're right, is so big with these young center backs because we know Mancini and Ibanez will take some risks. You know, uh, occasionally Ibanez has had those brain farts and he had one uh, pass that turned into a pretty good chance for Sassuolo going back the other way yesterday. But you know, it gives them that little bit more confidence that if they take a risk to go in and make a tackle or try to win a ball and they do happen to get beat, they have somebody who's a little more solid behind them that could hopefully bail them out and not, you know, pay for it as often. And so far we've seen that, that it, he has been there, you know, and one reason why he was under a lot of pressure was, you know, Jeremy Boga was a beast in the second half. Yesterday. He's a name that's been talked about for a couple of years now, linked to Roma, linked to other big teams. I don't know how he still has Sassuolo. I mean, Sassuolo's done a good job of keeping some of their talent together. He's one of them. I mean, the guy was lightning. You know, there was a play yesterday where he just blew by Mancini. Mancini's a center back, not the fastest guy in the world, but man, he made him look like he was caught in like, you know, cinder blocks or something because he's just, he's just out. And um, Patricio made a big save on him. He gave Roma tons of headaches. You know, Sassuolo was finding some gaps in the midfield on the counterattack, but like Jimmy said earlier in the show, you know, Mancini and Ibanez did not have a bad game. The defense kind of bent, but it never broke yesterday outside of that one goal, which was more on Vina and, you know, him not really facing up Berardi as well as he should have and let him get in a good cross. Other than that, I mean, the center backs were solid, not outstanding, but solid. They got the job done. And I think, I think that connects to Patricio too, like you guys said. So what do you make of the center backs yesterday, Jim? Yeah, I, I already said that I think that they did a good job. They didn't do a great job because, you know, clean sheet is my definition of a great job. But even still, there wasn't like any moment from either Ibanez or Mancini where I was like, oh, that was a massive mistake. And that might be a low bar. But at the same time, I think that it's really important for both of them that as they're developing as players, they both raise the bar of how high they can become like how good they can can become, but also just make sure that like week in, week out, they're playing like good games. And Ibanez in particular, I've always felt can lean way too hard on having like the ecstasy and the agony over like a 
two match period where there's just one match where you're like, wait, how is this guy not playing for Real Madrid already? And then the next week you're like, oh, this is why, because he does like some stupid thing that results in a yellow card and a free kick right outside the box or a penalty or something along those lines. Um, so seeing matches like this from them honestly makes me pretty excited. I'm happy that this is not just like a one match thing either. Like I've just been consistently impressed with Ibanez and Mancini so far this season, period. As for Boga, yeah, I, I don't really know how he's been at Sassuolo since 2018 and not even just like some big Serie A club has tried to pick him up. Because like no offense to Sassuolo, but they're like, they're like Atlanta with le- Atlanta with less, less success at this point. Like I feel like they're the poor man's Atalanta at this point in terms of like, Yes, they've been way more successful than anyone would have ever anticipated before, you know, they got promoted and just became like a consistent part of like the Europa League and things like that. But at the same time, you know, you're not winning anything major with Sassuolo. You're going to get like, you know, bottom half of the top 10 spots in Serie A consistently. And that's what you get. Um, But yeah, Boga was the most exciting player to watch on the field on Sunday, if you ask me. Um, just like every single moment that he had the ball, I was like, oh, this could really become a goal right now. More than Skamaka, more than any other forward that they had. And honestly, he made Berardi look like a bit of a schmuck by comparison. Yeah, speed kills and, and his speed almost killed this essay. But before I go to Brandon, just to throw in a few numbers for the center backs, you know, only five Roma players were actually involved in an aerial duel yesterday, but Mancini won all four of his aerial duels. Uh, Ibanez was two for two. Ibanez six ball recoveries, Mancini five. And then uh, five clearances for Ibanez, four for Mancini, and uh, three blocks for Ibanez. So they did put in some decent numbers. Brandon, what'd you make of their performance yesterday? Uh, well, just to quickly put a cap on the Boga talk, um, yeah, I, I actually have the game on in the background just, you know, to get, get in the mood uh, pre podcast. But, um, he, you know, that the, the pass just got played into him um, and Karsdorp had to save it. Um, with the last stitch sliding tackle um, and you know that action that you mentioned with Mancini um, he just blew by him and uh, the whole, every time he touched the ball I was just terrified um, as for Mancini and Abania's performance on their own you know I thought they did fairly well I think um, Vina and Karsdorp kind of left them out to dry a few times um, I noticed that they I don't know if this was you know a tactical decision or them on their own but they they were playing pretty high up yeah. And um, a lot of times it ended up being three Sassuolo attackers versus, you know, Mancini and Abanez and, you know, credit to the both of them and Patricio for, you know, as you were saying, uh, bend, but don't break. And um, so, you know, I think this will be um, one of those games. That's a great, um, you know, uh, source of development for them. And uh, hopefully they can take the lessons learned from this game going forward. Yeah, good point, because they, 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 there were definitely some lessons learned, especially defending a player like Boga of that talent and that pace. So um, another player who was very impressive we talked about was Lorenzo Pellegrini yesterday. Um, I have his numbers here. AS Roma Data put out a, a little graphic with his numbers, so I'll just read them out. So he had the assist on the goal, four chances created, uh, 0.28 expected assists, uh, four shots. Uh, he had an XG of 0.23. He was three for three on his dribbles. Uh, three out of four on long balls, eight duels, one, which was a 73% rate. And he had four ball recoveries. Uh, Pellegrini was impressive yesterday without scoring. He had the assist. Yes. Uh, probably should have scored because he had about three good chances in the second half. So finishing, let him down a little bit. He did have one besides the, the save and the block that went over the bar that 
you feel like he probably could have scored. But I mean, like Jimmy said, Pellegrini's turning into a heck of a player. Uh, and it was a shame he didn't really get a chance for Italy this, this international break. Cause I feel like he would have had a chance to shine, especially those second and third games for Italy. Cause they were uh, losing midfielders left and right. But the one thing that impressed me too, I'll throw in there about Pellegrini and say, I never realized how good his close control was with his feet in tight spaces. He had some impressive little dribbles to get around defenders. And, you know, I I've been a big Pellegrini fan for a while, but very impressive yesterday and the development this year. I don't know if it's something that Mourinho is saying to him in training in the locker room, but looking like oh, he's taking his game to another level, huh, Brandon? Yeah, uh, it's such a cliche phrase to use, but he really is oozing confidence. Um, and you can tell that every single, um, you know, time he's touching the ball. Um, you know, there could be two or three Sassuolo defenders around him and, you know, still looking calm and cool and, you know, just going to dribble my way through this and, you know, pass it off. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a shame that he couldn't, you know, get that goal, especially the one where he, uh, narrowly blazed over the crossbar. Um, I think that was probably that, that, that chance. If he had made that, I think, you know, Roma's Twitter would have erupted because he, he, I think he weaved through like two or three yeah. guys, um, to make that happen. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's a Mourinho thing. I don't know if it's just, you know, uh, just some personal growth on his part, but it's, um, it's really cool to see. He's really embraced the captaincy and, um, you know, his teammates are embracing him too. Um, in that role as well. Um, you know, I think the last match, um, after that Abraham posted, um, on Instagram, you know, with caption, my captain, um, and all that. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, he's been playing really, really well. Um, I would have liked to see him get that goal just to, you know, put a feather on the cap, but, um, he's been great. Yeah. I think oozing confidence was a, was a great term. Like you said, it's cliche, but he really is right now. And, even Mourinho uh, talked about him as pre-match press conference because, you know, the renewal keeps coming up and Mourinho assured everyone that the renewal will not be an issue. He said, if the agent doesn't get it done, I heard on the telecast that he'll pretty much let the agent's address out, I guess. So people could storm the house kind of thing. But um, Mourinho spoke that he's grown into that role as a leader too on the team. And he also referenced Cristante and Mancini being right there behind him as like his, I guess, kind of vice captains or, you know, would be wearing the A if this was a hockey team. And it's, it's good to see that these players are stepping into those roles. You know, we see it all the time with Cristante and we've seen that personality with Mancini. Now Pellegrini's really kind of come out of his shell a bit. Now he's taken on that leadership role and impressive, like I said. So Jim, what'd you make of Pellegrini yesterday? Yeah. I mean, I've already sung his praises a bit earlier today, uh, but I would say that, you know, four goals and an assist across all competitions so far, and we're barely a month into the season. That's some pretty impressive stuff regardless of you know how old you are wherever you are in this and remember that he's you know 24 25 still uh he's got room to grow as a player for at least the next couple seasons so the fact that he's already there and like consistently putting in night after night like either a goal or assist type of performance you know that that's really gonna be that could really be what puts Roma over the edge into that you know second place or even first place uh, conversation over the long haul. I think that having someone like him in the midfield is that type of difference maker. Um, as for, you know, the leadership qualities that he's been talking about, I mean, I don't obviously have any insight into the Roma locker room, but it certainly seems like according, according to Mourinho that he's a critical piece of the locker room at this point, which is good to see because I feel like not to, 
crap on Njeko too much, but like, I feel like part of the reason why he was given the captaincy was more just, you know, as a result of him being the most experienced player and not necessarily being someone that everyone just like loved all the time or supported all the time. Whereas with Pellegrini, you really get the sense that, you know, everyone's really in his corner, as you were saying with the Tammy Abraham post and things like that, everyone is really supporting him and wants him to succeed and he wants them to succeed. Um, my hot take is that I think that Zaniolo, Cristante, Mancini, and Pellegrini are all likely to be a part of that World Cup squad for the Azuri next summer. Like, I think there's, it's more likely than not that they could all end up in there for different reasons. But out of all of them, I think Pellegrini is probably the most likely to be starting. Um, I think that he's, especially if he keeps his form up, there's a, I think there's a pretty good chance that he could be, you know, starting material for the Azuri both now and like for the next four to five years. Yeah, midfield's tough for the Azuri because we know they have Verratti, Jorginho, um, Barella, Locatelli. So a lot of players in the mix, but yeah, he's going to push them. If, if, and if he's not a starter, he will get his, his minutes at this rate because he's going to push those guys for playing time. Um, a couple guys that we'll get to that maybe didn't put in their best performance. We talked a little bit about Vigna, how he got burned on the, the Sassuolo goal. Also, the uh, Skamaka chance that went offside, he actually missed the header when the ball fell to Skamaka. So he had a little bit of defensive struggles yesterday. Um, Brandon mentioned he looked pretty gassed. I was surprised he went the whole match. You know, first I was surprised he started, but then, you know, we saw Reynolds come in for Karsdorp and we saw some of those other changes for guys who looked a bit tired, but a um, bit of a rough match for Vina defensively, especially. Uh, what'd you make of his performance, Jim? Yeah, I mean... I've already been exercising caution on like trying to judge him too quickly for a lot of reasons that we went into last podcast. Like, I think that, you know, treating him at the same level as like Karsdorp, for example, right now, isn't fair. Um, and especially coming back from the international break and being kind of maybe injured, I wasn't expecting much from him. And I was honestly hoping that that Calafiori sub would have come in sooner rather than later. Um, I was pretty surprised, honestly, that we got Brian Reynolds coming in instead of mm -hmm. Calafiori because Vigna looked tired. He made a mistake that led to the goal. Maybe that's Mourinho's way of trying to like show Vigna that he has confidence in him for this period. Cause I think that's probably an important factor for why Mourinho has been keeping this starting 11. But at the same time, if there was a player who I thought, you know, really could have used a sub out other than Zaniolo, um, it would have been Vigna. So I hope that we'll see more rotation over the next couple months between those two, just because as, as good as I think that he can be and as promising as I think he's been, he definitely can't just do it all alone. Yeah. What do you think Brandon about Vina yesterday? Yeah, I think it's important to look at his performance within, you know, the appropriate context. Um, you know, we've mentioned a few times that he picked up a knock, he got back um, to Rome late Um and so, you know, you have to take those factors into account um, when you look at his performance overall uh, before, you know, you bang the drum of, oh, Cali Califiori has to start next game. Um, so, you know, I, I'm actually uh, surprised to hear, I, I, you know, lost track of the substitutions a little bit. And, you know, I just kind of assumed that Vinia came off at some point. So to hear that was kind of a refreshing surprise, I guess. But um I think, you know, also, you know, you can kind of question, is it, as Jim was saying about, you know, is it a show of support by Mourinho that he left him in the whole game? Or is it an indictment on Calafiori thus far? Um, 
by Mourinho and, you know, kind of, you know, you put, you put Reynolds on for Karsdorp and I'm sure Calafiori to himself is like, what do I have to do to get on? Um, Vini is, you know, hasn't had his best game by any means. He's looking kind of gassed. Um, so, you know, um, on the flip, you know, playing devil's advocate, it could be a message to Calafiori to, you know, kind of get it together and, you know, um, work on his game a little bit more. Yeah. A couple other guys who were a bit quiet yesterday. I thought Zaniolo had a pretty quiet uh, 70 odd minutes or whatever he was in for. I also thought Mkhitaryan was, was pretty quiet. He did have, a, a, you know, five or six ball recoveries, but, you know, Mkhitaryan, at least he played three full matches for Armenia over the break. You know, he's like their talisman over there. So he plays almost every minute for them. Um, you know, maybe not a match he had to be rested per se, because we know he can put in some minutes, but uh, I, th- I think fatigue got to him a little bit yesterday. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, uh, definitely. I think, um, you know, he he certainly wasn't as impactful as he, um, you know, has been in prior matches. Um, I would hope that, um, you know, for the Conference League game on Thursday that Mourinho gives him a little rest. Um, I think it's a well-earned one. And, you know, uh, we need we need Mkhitaryan for the course of the season. So we can't afford to, to drive him into the dirt, you know, a couple of months in. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully Mourinho, you know, gives him that well-deserved break Thursday. Yeah. Jim, anything on, uh, Zaniolo Mkhitaryan for you? Zaniolo just needs the minutes to rack up before he can get back to, you know, peak form. That's my personal opinion on that. As for Mkhitaryan, he's basically, I think he might be the oldest, you know, non-goalkeeper that we have out there right now, like consistently starting. I might be, I, I, that feels right to say, like, he's definitely our oldest player who's consistently starting at this point. And if there's any one player beyond like the ones coming back from long-term injuries that I'm worried about being kind of run into the ground too early, it's him Uh, because he's obviously a class player, but he needs to get rest more often. And I'm hoping that, you know, with the Europa conference league group stage, not really like striking fear into the hearts of anybody at the club. I think that's safe to say um, that he gets, you know, breaks in the midweek at the very least. And, you know, I also wouldn't be too opposed, though he might start to be opposed to uh, some rotation happening uh, up front during Serie A and Copa games too. Because, yeah, he, he's great, but he can only continue to be great if he isn't run into the ground by both club and country. And unfortunately, Mourinho can't control him being run to the ground by Armenia. That's like just going to happen, unfortunately. So I hope that that results in Mourinho maybe, you know, letting in some attacking midfielders like Zaluski or somebody like that into the side to give, to give him some minutes off. Yeah. And you referenced the age. So just to, to give a point of reference for everybody, I just looked up uh, FB reference has it right in the box score. Mkhitaryan 32 years, 234 days, by far the oldest position player uh, that's, that's in the outfield, not, not named Patricio. Um, the next oldest guy in the starting 11 is Jordan Vertu, just over 28 years old. Everybody else is 26 or younger. So it just shows the age difference and the only other player that played that was um older than 26 was uh El Sharari is also 28 almost 29 so fairly young roster for Roma mostly young and players hitting their prime like we, we mentioned sometimes like guys like Pellegrini and Cristante they're younger than you expect sometimes and the Perez isn't everybody else on the team so yeah he is he is the old man so to speak of the players that is playing consistently you know other than him I think it's really like Smalling is over 30 if he starts playing more but uh mostly young players uh, speaking of El Sharari, he came up big, you know, we already described his goal, great goal. Um, you know, we've seen him score goals like that before, but I wonder how this will help him moving forward, scoring such a big goal, because 
when he came back last year, we've, we've talked about him in the, in, in other episodes, very quiet, not much impact, you know? So to me, this could be the, the, the play that kind of gets him more involved in the team, builds his confidence, shows Mourinho, he can be an impact guy off the bench, maybe start some games. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I think, you know, he, uh, that, that goal kind of highlights the El Shirari experience, which is, um, you know, he can, he can create something out of absolutely nothing. Um, and we've seen that numerous instances um, since he's played for Roma. Um, I think, you know, it gives, um, you know, him a great injection of confidence that he definitely needed. Um, you know, it shows Mourinho that he can continue to call on him and expect something. Um, I think, I don't quite think yet that it'll make Mourinho um think about starting him regularly on the left I think um El Shirari will have to come up with a string of quality um game-changing super sub performances um I I mean I think you know he'll get his starts here and there because you know you can't start Mkhitaryan every game but um you know to be first choice on the left I don't think we're there yet um by any means but I think this is a good start and I, you know, you, you wonder um, with his ability to create something out of nothing, if Roma would be better served to um, have him start, you know, with the thinking being, you know, more time on the pitch, more likely to create something. But I think, um, you know, a motivated and informed El Shirari coming on in the second half, running at tired legs um, could be a real game changer for the team. Yeah. And you mentioned motivated and he's another guy, you know, he's still in the national team cycle kind of in that picture and he's gunning his way to try to get back for world cup 2022. Cause that might be his last big shot with the national team. And, you know, the wings for Italy aren't the strongest sometimes, you know, Bernard Deschi hasn't been that impressive, but had a, had a role for Italy. So we'll see. Uh, Jim, what do you think this goal does for El Chari moving forward? I think it gives him a case for more playing time. I don't think it, you know, just like I don't think that one good performance from Carlos Perez means that we should be benching Zaniolo, um, which I've been seeing more and more takes like that recently. Yeah. Um, some people need to take a chill pill on that one. But anyway, uh, I think that it shows that Mourinho has rotational options, which is great. And for El Shirawi in particular, it shows that, you know, he's got enough left in the tank that he should be getting starts. He should be getting minutes. And, you know, He's got the incentive to do it. As you mentioned, he's one of those guys who could be in that World Cup squad, maybe definitely less of a lock than, you know, Pellegrini or Zaniolo or even probably Cristante at this point, Um, but still a guy who wants to be in that conversation. So if he's going to be able to get into that conversation, he's going to have to, you know, at least try to make the starting attacking players sweat a little bit for their jobs. And if he can keep on putting in substitutional performances like this, he might just do it. Yeah, agreed. And and we talked about, you know, I think Roma's got three straight weeks of two match weeks, you know, that that's the opportunity that if he puts in a good performance off the bench, you know, again, and then he can earn a start, maybe one of these midweek matches, maybe in Europe, uh, I almost said Europa League again, Conference League, uh, maybe that Udinese midweek match, because we talked about Mkhitaryan's age, he's the closest thing to a like for like change for Mkhitaryan as a left winger in a 4-2-3-1. Could be him, could be Shamordov, but he's going to have to earn his minutes, especially because Shamordov is so versatile and Mourinho could change things up. But uh, certainly a good thing to boost his confidence going forward. Um, before we move on to 
you know, the next couple matches. Uh, any closing thoughts on the match from you guys? And just one other stat I want to throw out there. I saw as I was going through FB references box score, Pellegrini had 10 shot creating actions in the match, which is very impressive, which is probably a big reason why um, who scored had him as their man of the match, despite not scoring. Usually guys who score goals end up with those man of the match rankings on who scored. So very impressive from him. I was just impressed overall on the mentality we talked about. And like I, I said earlier, like tough match impressive win early in the season to really build that confidence. So any closing thoughts before we move on to uh, Sesco Sophia, Brandon? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the big takeaway from the game is, um, you know, I guess, you know, you could argue that probably um, Sassuolo probably deserved to win the game, but, you know, these are the type of games that you need to win um, if you want to reach the next level. And it's not, I think, you know, we're probably all in agreement that, this result would not have happened, um, you know, the last two or three years, um, especially, you know, after giving up that equalizer on a bobbled shot um, that squirms past Patricio. I think that would, in years past, that would have just destroyed the confidence of the team. Um, and so, you know, this, you know, this is something to build on and uh, hopefully going forward, we get that. Yeah. What about you, Jim? Yeah, I would just add that I feel very lucky so far that there isn't really anyone that we transferred in who I'm just like, oh, you've been kind of underwhelming today. Like, I feel like everyone has either exceeded expectations or has met reasonable expectations. Like the worst signing I would say we've had, and this is not a slight towards him at all, is Vina. And he's like done a good job for a guy coming in from South America and like all these different reasons why there should be a normal break-in period for a player like him. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that we're seeing this type of form and it doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel inflated necessarily. Like it feels like this is how this team should be performing and will be performing, which is really exciting to see, which again, I don't think I've seen since, you know, maybe that 10 match start of the Rudy Garcia era where, you know, they were basically the only competition Juventus had all season. Yeah. You made a couple of good points with the signings, especially uh, when I saw that tweet uh, in reference to Brennan and the Patricio signing and, you know, how some people were, were weren't very high in the signing and are maybe regretting it. I, I'd be the first one too. like, if, and I'm sure Bren would say the same, you know, I'd rather be wrong about a signing turning out good than being super hyped about a player who ends up being a bust. Like we, you know, a shit kind of signing or something like that. I'd rather see these guys turn out good as long as it's for the benefit of Roma for sure. Uh, and you're right. I don't think this team feels like they're overperforming right now. I think that the way the feeling they're giving is a team that should be doing this um, based on their performances and, and they're good enough to do this and win a couple more games before the Lazio match. And really then maybe we could get a super excited if, you know, they can take it to Lazio, who knows, we'll see. But um, looking ahead, you know, Roma has a couple matches this week before we probably record again. Uh, Sesca Sofia in their conference league uh, group stage proper opening match uh, on Thursday at the Olympico. So it's a home match. They don't have to travel to Bulgaria this time around. And then if Hellas on Sunday uh, away. So we'll talk just quick about uh, Sesca Sofia. I'm expecting some turnover, but the way Mourinho has been managing this team, I don't know how much turnover we'll see. It uh, could be interesting, but I, I, I personally would like to see some players like McTarin rested, uh, maybe Vina rested. Uh, I don't know if he'll change out the whole midfield, but maybe you rest either Cristante or Vertu. Uh, I think this could be a match where Zaniolo gets rested, those kind of things. You know, maybe five, six changes might be prudent considering the, the quality of opponent. Uh, what do you think, Jim? 
I'm curious if Shamurdov gets the start because it's not like Abraham has been Abraham's been excellent in every single match that he's played for Roma. So I'm not saying that, you know, <laughs> we should be seeing less of Tammy Abraham. But at the same time, you do have to wonder as selfless as Shamurdov has been. And you you would think that he'd want to be starting at least a little bit. And a game like this against Sofia seems like the time that you should, you know, hand him a start and maybe even give, you know, Borgia some minutes. Um, we'll see if that happens. That would be the sub I'm most looking for in this match. Yeah, and you're right. You almost kind of throw him a bone for being so selfless if you give him a start in this match and give him a chance at, at some goals because he's been the assist man off the bench so far. Uh, Brandon, what are you thinking in terms of turnover for this one? Um, you know, just going off of what you were saying um, about, you know, what seems to be Mourinho's approach to the Conference League as a whole, um, that approach has me wary about the level of turnover we're going to see. Um, you know, if this was FIFA, for example, and, you know, all due respect to Cesca Sofia, you would swap out the whole 11. Um, but that's not practical. Um, so, you know, I would like to see El Shirari come in. I would like to see Eldor um you know come in i would guess that uh perez comes in for zaniel just because of how often Mourinho has been utilizing him off the bench um so i think a lot of the um you know i think vina is definitely due for a sub give califiori a start so you know i'm expecting a heavy turnover or i'm, I'm hoping for a t- heavy turnover um and, you know, I think, I think Patricio will stay in goal and I'm assuming maybe one or both of Veritu and Cristante will probably play. Um, but aside from that, I think, you know, you can, you can uh, give Kumbula a start um, if he's good to go. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, five or six changes would do the team some good in terms of getting refreshed. We'll see if that happens. Yeah, I mean, I think we all hope for five, six changes. And you're right, in like an ideal world, like a FIFA world where, you know, you could easily sub players in and out. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you changed out the whole 11 against a team like Seska Sofia or some of these other conference league opponents. I, you know, we see that Mourinho doesn't want to rotate too much, but I think if he's going to rotate in any matches, these are the ones to do it, uh, especially before you get to the knockout rounds, because, you know, let's be honest, Roma should walk through this group with their second team. So, um, you know, you mentioned Kambula could be a match for him. I think he was out. He had a gastro issue yesterday. Yesterday, I think I saw after the match, he wasn't even on the bench. But uh, Smalling could be a candidate to start, what, you know, in one of the center back positions. But whoever Marino changed out, you should be confident can get the job done against this team. We saw them last year in the Europa League. Um, it's just a matter of going in with the right mentality. And I think Mourinho is instilling that. So in terms of what you're expecting as a result, um, what are you, you going to say, Brandon? Uh, it, it should be the three points. Uh, anything else will be, um, I think something horrible will have to go wrong in the game. They'll immediately knock on wood. <laughs> but um, yeah, as you were saying, like our second 11, you know, sh- should be able to win this game handily, assuming, you know, in a world where the entire 11 got swapped. So I think, you know, the people coming in, plus the, you know, the the first choice starters that um, will continue to play, I think there should be no problem getting the three points. Yeah, what about you, Jim? Yeah, I'm not jinxing this run of good form by saying that this is a guaranteed win or anything like that, but also I would be surprised if we lost. Um, I would say like, you know, a 1-0-2-0 type victory seems on the cards. I I mean, I never want to predict a bloodbath because 
that never goes well. But yeah, I, I think that even with the second 11, we should be winning this match. I hope that hope that plays out the way that I'd like it to. Agreed. Anything less than the three points would be disappointing. Um, I'm hoping Roma really does take it to them, whether it's a, you know, six, tur- six players turned over, three players turned over, whoever it is, or if it's, you know, we see even more subs later in the match of guys that don't get much playing time. Hopefully those guys are hungry. And, you know, if, if it comes down to Roma scoring five goals, so be it. Like, you know, go after these teams. The one thing that always drove me crazy with the Italian national team before the Mancini era was they would go play these, you know, minnows and beat Liechtenstein one nothing or 2 nothing, and then just pack it in and, and just wait out the result. And, you know, I think Mourinho's instilling that same mentality we saw against Salernitana where when you get your chances, take them. Uh, you know, he's going to reward you if you take your chances. So I'm hoping that whoever gets a shot in this match, whether it's Perez or Shamordov or whoever it is, really takes the bull by the horn. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to see too, besides the three points, because like Brandon said, anything less than three points is, is an utter disappointment against a team like this, especially at home. You're not traveling. There's no poor weather. It's not like you're going to Norway in December or something. So, um, you know, maybe when we hit that point in the conference league and if we win the first five and then we're like in Norway in December, then it's understandable if, you know, the guys maybe aren't into it, but you know, I expect with Mourinho there to, to see three points. So, uh, we'll probably be back recording next Monday after this match and the Hellas match. So uh, hopefully, I don't know what's going on with the stream for this match because I haven't seen anything on uh, Paramount yet here in the States. Hopefully there'll be some kind of stream, whether it's from the the team or or Paramount, so we can actually watch this game and, and see what happens. Um, you know, it's been rough so far with the Conference League in that standpoint. Um, but uh, before we get to the, you know, match coverage on Thursday, anything you guys have coming out on the site? You know, uh, Brandon, you referenced a piece you and Brent put out today, so listeners could check that out. Anything else you guys got going on besides match coverage? Not for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be busy with a lot of match coverage this week. I know Jim's got the previews, and Brandon uh, has been doing the reviews and everything, and I'll have my usual probables. And um, this past week, I restarted kind of a, a league-wide preview to highlight some of the bigger matches if you're interested in watching other things or what to look out for uh, that might affect Roma. So keep an eye out for all our match coverage. The next two weeks will probably be dominated by a match coverage since there'll be four, four matches in two weeks. Um, but uh, anything you guys want to leave the listeners with? Uh, nope. Uh, I think, I hope that, you know, this, um, you know, El Shari's winner and the pandemonium that ensued with the celebrations, I hope it ends up being a somewhat transformative moment for the team and they carry it and the confidence that came with it, um, over these next two matches, which, you know, I think they should win both, but we'll see. Jim. Jose Mourinho is not going to bench Nicolo Zanuolo. <laughs> <laughs> And with that as our final, that's my comment. Yeah. (laughs) And with that as our closing thought, uh, thanks again for listening. We appreciate everybody listening. As always, you know, feel free to chime in either on the the site or on Twitter, and uh, let us know what you think. 